What is biblical hospitality, and how does it affect our mission to spread the gospel? Well, today on the Emmaus Institute for Disciple Making podcast, Ernie and Lisa Blanco start to answer that question in their series, Missional Hospitality. Okay, well, guys, we're, uh, we're excited that you are here and that uh, we get to spend uh, several weeks this summer with you all. And um, we don't know all yet, uh, know a lot of you guys. Um, my name is Ernie, and this is my wife, Lisa. And uh, we are from Tucson, Arizona. We moved here last summer. And, yeah, just through the Lord's providence, he brought us here and planted us in a church that we love and we're excited about. Um, so... It's just, uh, it's been a good year for us uh, building into this church, and uh, I'm assuming that's why you guys are here too, because you have a heart for people, a heart for uh, what the Lord does through relationships, and um, yeah, so we're excited. We want to meet you guys. We're going to introduce ourselves, but let's start with prayer, um, and then we'll give you a little feel for what the, the class is going to look like, and um, may have some time for some breakout today. Today may be just slightly different than the other weeks, because you guys don't have your books yet, and um Probably about half of our time we'll be using to, to discuss the books. So anyway, let's, let's pray. Uh, Father, we are uh, grateful tonight to come in uh, your presence for the purpose of knowing our Savior more deeply, for seeing his gospel proclaimed. And Lord, we are dependent upon your Spirit for um, any change that, um, that is needed in our lives. So we ask humbly tonight that you would be with us. We, uh, we pray that you would give us hearts that align with your heart. Lord, we pray that um, the ambitions um, that have um, even brought us here tonight, the way that you saved us and pursued us, uh, would be transformative in the way that we love and serve others. And so we, uh, we pray this all through the name of Jesus. Amen. So what I want to do right now to start out as a way of getting to know each other a little bit I want you guys to think, this does relate to hospitality, and we're going to kind of tie this in in a little bit, but I want you to think of one story that you guys tell, maybe when you're with your families, a family reunion, with your kids, what's one important story in your family that gets told over and over again, okay? I want you to tell somebody, and then I just want you to think about what does that say about you, okay? So you have about five minutes Think of one good story that you like to tell when you're in a family and uh, or when you're, it doesn't have to be when you're in your family, when you're with friends or anything like that, one good story from your family and then we'll reconvene in about five minutes. Okay. Is that clear? All right. Let's do it. You guys can just turn around and start talking with people in your row. Okay. No way. All right. Okay, you guys can go ahead and wrap it up. Was it hard? Kind of kind of hard to think of something? How many of you guys told a story that was, like, funny in nature? Yours was funny? Yeah. What about, like, a sentimental type of story? Anyone? Yeah? A little bit of both? Yeah, when, when I tell stories in, uh, in our family, my daughter has, like, recognized I get a little emotional when, um, when I bring out those sentimental stories. And she, like, can see the faintest, like, water starting to accumulate in my eye and always calls me on it. So I, it's kind of funny. But anyway, Lisa is going to um, just give a quick little story about us. Um, there's a lot we could tell, but yeah. this is kind of one that's fun that we have talked about recently in our family. 
But our kids, our kids love to hear like their beginnings, their early days with us. And so sometimes that's for kids who have been born to us, and some of them is when we first met them. So two of our kids are adopted, and three are biological. And so, but we love telling our um, adopted kids the day that we met you and what that was like for them and for us. And um, we had had our daughter Tally at the time when she was eight months old, and like just like really deliciously, like a tomato that you could just squeeze. And, um, <laughs> And then her brother came to us two days later, their biological siblings, and we went to pick him up at a group home, and we had her with us in the car seat, and they had been separated for probably like a week, and so we brought him out into the parking lot and just kind of like brought him over to say hi to her, and he had a, a, he had a severe speech delay for a very long time, and so at two, at almost two, he didn't say anything, really. But he was, you know, a cheerful little guy. And so he walked over, and he didn't really have words, but he it was almost like he didn't realize Tally was there at first. But then he saw her and walked over and, like, mm-hmm. touched her, and his eyes were like, I found you. Mm-hmm. And it was this moment of, like, oh, because it was foster care. And we were like, I hope that you stay together for the rest of your life because he, she was so mm-hmm. important to him. And, um, yeah. He had been missing her for weeks, so he didn't know where she was, and so mm-hmm. we're thankful to have them with us now. And yeah, so. yeah. We have a lot. Yeah, I wasn't going to tell this story, but I might as well. So um, my, my daughter, Tally, she's, uh, she's biracial. She's just beautiful. She had no hair when she was a baby. And um, that week prior to, to getting Judson, you know, we had waited for a couple months after finishing foster care training. And um, we're just in eager expectation, like, who, who's the Lord going to bring into our family? And so we went to this one particular group home, and uh, the door opened. And all we knew was it, it was a little girl. Oh yeah, it was a it was a boy for what like a day, and then they told us actually it's a girl that you're gonna be picking up. So that was a surprise. Um, but anyway, yeah, she just opened up the door, and like a daddy's dreams are made of, like this sweet little girl who needed a dad, just like locked eyes with me and gave me like the biggest chuckle, and like forever. Um, I mean, that's what I see when I when I hear my daughter chuckling today. It's like the exact same chuckle, and so. Yeah, I tell her this like once a month, how like special that story is, and we all start getting teary-eyed and, and stuff. But um, it's, it's super, super neat. Now, we're going to talk about stories a little bit in just a couple minutes. So I want you to kind of file this away for maybe about 10 minutes. We're going to get into the hospitality talk, and then we're going to talk about how do stories connect to this idea of um, God's view of hospitality. And um, I think that has been really, really helpful for me in, in starting to get a bigger picture of um, God's heart for for hospitality. So um, this is how we're going to start today. Um, I just want to hear from you guys. I know we all come, um, you guys signed up for this class for a reason. I would assume because God has put um, the idea of growing in faithfulness and hospitality uh, on your heart. Maybe you've been on this journey for a couple years like us. I know we started um, when Lisa and I were first married probably just through my poor leadership, we thought of hospitality um, mostly just like we want to make friends with people, and so we would invite people over. Um, Oftentimes we were scared of hospitality because Lisa was new and learning to cook, and we thought you had to like put elaborate meals together, and um, it can be intimidating, right, to to invite people over that you may or may not know. So 
anyway, that's a little bit of what we thought. But I, I just want to ask you guys, when you think of the word hospitality, um, you want to write them up here? Mm -hmm. What comes to mind um, first? Now, it can be positive things. It can be things that are fearful. Uh, and this will just help us to gauge kind of as we go forward um, where are you guys coming from as, as you enter this class and, and why you're here? Okay, so, so who can be brave? What does hospitality, when you think of that, uh, what comes to mind? Service. Okay, service. Yeah, like serving the people that you are meeting with. Okay, good. Food. All right, food, yeah, that's right. I know I get excited. Uh, that's one of my first thoughts when we're getting together is what's going to be for dinner? Cleaning. Yeah, yeah cleaning. <laughs> Was that you, All right. Julia? All right. All right. Comfort. Comfort. Okay. Good. Good. Comfort. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. All right. Any others? Sharing. Sharing. Yeah. I'm just thinking. I, have you guys grown up in houses that were generally hospitable in nature? You can just shake your head if you did. No, some of you yes, yeah, some of you no. Okay. How many of you guys came from um, like Christian homes when you were growing up? Just uh, okay, good. Yeah, a lot of us. Cool. All right. Any others? Okay. So this is a this is a good list. Now, uh, what we put here on, on week one, kind of our goal for this first week, is to think through. Um, there is a practical side of what we believe about hospitality. Um, a lot of people like to call it practical theology. What is your practical theology in the area of hospitality? And simply what we mean by that is when you are um, expressing what comes out of your heart, what are the things or how do the things that you do reflect what you believe about hospitality, what your calling is maybe as a believer. Um, now, I know that it's not often talked about, um, I don't know, I, I guess it's becoming a little bit more prevalent to, to kind of push hospitality as a ministry, um, but it's not, in a lot of circles, something that is kind of encouraged and pushed forward. And so today, we just want to think, okay, does my practical theology, the things that I do in practice, does it line up with what the Bible calls me to and so that's really our hope throughout this class. We're going to be spending some time uh, reading this book. Lisa and I have enjoyed it. Um, but just like with any of these classes or anything that I say, um, the goal is really not to just hear from an author or her take on hospitality. But the question is, how has the Lord in his word revealed that he has a heart for reaching the lost through your homes, um, through your actions, through meeting out with people in the community? And um, so that's kind of where we're going to begin. Um, so the class is going to be probably like half the time we'll be discussing stuff together. And then we're going to spend probably half the time breaking up, going over some questions. So we're going to ask you guys to do homework. Not big homework, but just read through the chapter and then uh, answer the questions. Or if you don't want to write them out, just come prepared to talk about them. And, um, and yeah, that'll be pretty much it. So we're flexible. We've got... Some things planned, but as the Lord leads, if he kind of leads us in a new direction, that would be awesome as well. Um, so, um, honey, I'm going to probably have you write these. Is that okay? A couple of these things. So if you guys want to look at your notes, let's just go ahead and start with um, 
this uh, first section of scripture. We'll get to this here in just a minute. But there is something that says hospitality overview. Okay, I'm not going to say a whole lot here other than um, if you were to do what I did, the very first thing was I want to see where in scripture um, does the word hospitality or hospitable come up. Well, I've written down almost all of them. And what you're going to see is it's not a whole lot. There's probably like seven or eight different verse references that are implicit. But we're going to talk about not just what's implicit in the scripture, but what is assumed and what is kind of the backdrop of, of the story that God is telling. So first thing is hospitality actually means, the Greek word means love of strangers. Okay. So that's, that's really easy for us to grasp, right? A love of strangers. Um, now, let's see, Romans chapter 12. Okay, we're going to read through these. I'm going to give you guys just six main bullet points today to serve as an overview, um, and we'll be talking about these things throughout the class. But um, so that we start with God's Word, um, the first thing, um, if you want to write it down, you can. Actually, honey, do you want to write these down? Yeah. Um, hospitable love is an outward position of the heart for the good of the neighbor. Okay, so hospitality is a positioning of our hearts for the good of the neighbor. Now, let me just uh, help show you where we got this uh, from. So Romans chapter 12 says, let love be genuine. Okay, now what that means, um, the words let love be genuine mean let love be without hypocrisy. Okay, so that's the thrust of this verse in Romans chapter 12. If you were to see the preceding parts of uh, Romans 12, it kind of talks about a specific application uh, for church members. If you have a gift, use it in accordance with the grace that God has given, and then it broadens the scope, and it starts talking about love in an applicable way for the whole church. So let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Sorry, I will um, give you guys time going forward to look these up if you want. Can you, like the you can, yeah. Or what are you liking? Uh, yeah, Greek. Uh, love for neighbors. No, uh, why don't you just, I guess you don't have my notes, but you can look with me. Hospitable okay. love is an outward position of the heart. Outward position. Yeah. Um, sorry. So we, w I will give you time to look up these verses um, as we go along. But um, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So in all these verses that we're going to see, you're going to see that they're really framed in the idea of love that expresses itself after receiving it from the Lord, expresses itself outward. Now, at the end here, it says, seek to show hospitality. Now, how many of you guys are planners by nature? You all planners? That's good. A lot of you are probably. Ryan's like, no, no way. I married one. Um, yeah, so the Bible calls us to be planners towards hospitality. That's not something that um, is often, when you're thinking about your week, you know, the first thing that comes to mind. You're thinking about groceries, or what do we got to do for the kids, or what do I have to do for work. 
but the Lord calls us to be planners or seekers and pursuers of hospitality, okay? So um, hospitable uh, love is an outward positioning of the heart. The next thing is hospitable love is evidence of a faithful pursuit of Jesus, okay? Hospitable love is evidence of a faithful pursuit of Jesus. Now, um, just by looking at these verses, um, 1 Timothy 5, 9 through 10, I'm not going to read this verse, but basically it talks about um, in the Old Testament if a, or in the New Testament, if a widow uh, was to be provided for by the church, she had to meet certain qualifications. So not just anybody could be involved in this special type of widow care. Now, these other two verses, uh, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, um, does anyone know what those happen to be about? That's right. They're qualifications for elders. Okay, so... Um, you might say, well, okay, how are you getting hospitable beloved as evidence of a faithful pursuit of Jesus? Well, it's a distinguishing mark for very um, select people in the church. Okay, so there's an assumption there that if you have been a faithful pursuer of Jesus, that an outward love, an outward expression of the love that you've received from Christ will go forward, um, and that is a, a faithful mark of following Jesus. Now, that's not to get legalistic, but I think that is uh, is a good example for us, that our elders are called to be these men who are hospitable and and love their neighbors. Now, that doesn't mean, I know you guys all have different personalities, Um, doesn't mean we all have to be extroverted, right? Uh, A lot of us have introverted personalities, and that does not either reduce your calling or inhibit your ability to honor the Lord in, uh, in being hospitable. Um, and I think that's, that's a great, that might be, as we talk, one of the things maybe that you have seen as an obstacle um, to pursuing others is, you know, I'm just not as bubbly as the person next to me. Um, well, I think, I think that's true of me, and I've seen the Lord, um, you know, work um, in spite of my own limitations as a personality. Um, and, and, yeah, and I would encourage and submit that to you as well. Okay, number three, 1 Peter 4, 8, and 10. This is, this is great. Um, it says this. Um, well, let me give you kind of the, the mark here that I wrote out. Hospitable love connects and makes available God's grace to outsiders. Okay, now, um, I, um, okay, well, let me just read this and then... Uh, I'll explain a couple couple notes I have. It says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Okay, love covers a multitude of sins. That kind of reminds me of when Jesus is talking about the law, right? What does he say about the law? Uh, the summary of the law is to love God and is to love others. So keep that in mind. Um, Keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So this idea of stewardship is um, not something that we connect very often with the idea of hospitality. But from this verse... Stewardship is being presented, and the thing that we own, that we are to steward, right? You only steward things that you're in possession of, is the very grace of God. 
Yeah, that's that's a big big deal. I mean, uh, the grace of God, as we know, I, I just think of the first verse that comes to mind in Ephesians two eight and nine. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that same grace is what God has called us to be a steward of. And um, you know what an amazing calling that something that God uses to bring to life is given to His people to dispense as they are serving. Now, my job um, for a living, I am a dispatcher, uh, uh, energy or power dispatcher. And basically what that means is uh, I sit behind a computer screen and I watch charts all day. And as the electricity goes up, I get on the phone and I call power plants and I say, or I do this in a computer. Um, sometimes we call, sometimes we put it in, but I say, we need 200 more megawatts and we need it now. And so as you all are getting home from work and turning on your ACs and um, waiting for that energy to come in, um, that's my role at work is to call on the generation that's available. That may be part of it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Just just give me a call. I I'll try to answer. Yeah. But the idea here is similar, that there is a dispatching of grace. We have been given a gift as followers of Christ, and we, as the Bible says, are the aroma of Christ. Okay, and so as we have opportunities to love and to serve one another, God uses that in a very unique way. And I know that you guys have seen that as you've done that before, and as you've been surprised with the fruit that comes from faithfully serving. Um, that just is an exciting idea for me that, that hospitality is bigger than my thoughts. Often we invite somebody over, our heart's kind of not in it, um, but we feel like we should do it. And I'm just hoping for a peaceful night that our kids get along with their kids and that at the end of the night I'll have enough you know, energy to not snap you know, when we're putting our kids to bed or something like that. But really the Lord has bigger ideas than we do for hospitality and for loving our neighbor. And so that's, uh, that's a compelling reason um, to me to push forward and to, to um, just find some, find some help from that verse. Okay, the next one is hospitable love is of such importance that it should not be neglected. Okay, hospitable love is of such importance to the Lord that it should not be neglected. Um, now Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 through 3 says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now, um, again, this is just a further um, cementing of this idea of hospitality and love, but it's kind of said in a negative direction or as a don't forget it. Now, that word neglect is important. You guys probably use that. You only use that when you're talking about something that's important, right? So, Ryan, what's something that you neglect from time to time? Uh, and quality time with kids. Okay, like yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. Something you know you need that's important. Yeah, absolutely. And then you go to bed thinking, like, I really neglected something I, I wanted to do and didn't have time for. Yeah, I think about taking out the trash every Tuesday night. Um, yeah, <laughs> every Tuesday night, I try to remember, and if I don't, then we got smelly trash in the back and trying to work in our overflow trash. It doesn't have a lid, and it's bad news. 
Um, so that's something that I try not to neglect. Now, if it's not important, right, it, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get something that's so strong. So take the words here uh, from the writer of Hebrews. Don't neglect hospitality as an urge and an importance to the life of the body, um, Christ's body, the church. Okay, so those are a few verses in the New Testament. Okay, the Old Testament is a little bit different. Um, it's not the same uh, word, but rather a couple different words or ideas that are being used. So um, sojourner is something that we're all familiar with, right? There's a lot of stories about uh, people sojourning in the land. Obviously, we, we know when, um, when Israel was exiled, they were sojourners. You think about the people in uh, Egypt, right? They were not in their home. That's basically what that means, or, or a foreigner. Now, the idea in the Old Testament, um, and I think as you guys think about it and just go through some of the stories, this will come to mind, but um, the idea is when a sojourner comes to the people of God, there is an expectation that those people ought to be cared for. So it was dangerous um, for travelers in that age to be going from city to city if they're going on um, to a new place and they happen to come up to a new group of people. Now, God's people were called to show hospitable love um, towards whoever came in. Now, you can think about uh, the fields, right? And some of those laws that were given, how the fields were to be left on the outsides so that the grain could be taken by either the poor people or the sojourners. So there's this idea of, of loving those who are needy. Did, did I uh, mention that? No, I didn't. So that one um, is hospitable love reflects God's care for the needy. Okay. Um, and as you're thinking of that or writing that down, um, the book of Job, chapter 31, uh, verse 32, this is what Job says. It's in, in defense of his character. Remember when he's kind of questioning God and saying, like, well, my character has been upright before you, so why all this stuff happening? And he says, the sojourner has not lodged in the street. I have opened up my doors to the traveler. Okay, so that's the Old Testament idea. Now, one other one, I think this is uh, my favorite from the Old Testament, from Leviticus 19, hospitable love is motivated by grace. All right, uh, motivated by grace. Now, um, it says, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land. I am the Lord your God. So we're in the book of Exodus right now, and that's not unfamiliar to us. But you were strangers in the land of Egypt. So strangers were being treated as family. Now we know that that's about uh, the Exodus, um, but we also know that the story of the Exodus also alludes to a greater Exodus that's to come, right? Another washing with water um, through Jesus on the cross. And we know that um, that same treatment uh, or that same idea of being motivated by grace in the Old Testament, which is actually ironically, this, this is the same um, passage that is used for the Ten Commandments. So if you were to read in Exodus chapter 20, the same words are used talking about um, the people of God in Egypt 
and they were strangers. And then God says, I am the Lord your God, so, and then you get the Ten Commandments. So the whole idea there is that God's gracious deliverance of his people, both uh, from Pharaoh and his gracious deliverance of us as New Testament believers shown through the life of Christ is what motivates us for grace. And um, I've been challenged um, just over the last couple of months. This verse has been uh, fast before me from uh, 1 Corinthians, and this is familiar to you. 1 Corinthians 5, 14, and it's the love of Christ compels us because we... Um, now, now I'm butchering the verse. The love of Christ compels us because one has died. Uh, one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And so that idea, really, as we talk about hospitality, um, it can seem like something like we should do um, because we know we've been given a lot. Um, but what I want to encourage you guys is, as we go th throughout this class, out of all the stuff that we talk about, let's just remember that a love of hospitality, a love directed outward, is only a demonstration um, of the love that we've received through Christ. And it can only be really honoring to the Father if that's the reason why we're doing it. We've been loved and cared for by God who has delivered us, who has taken people who were orphans and called family and children and sons and daughters. And now as a result, we are called to treat other people who are not family like the family of God. So. These are a couple of just the highlights and overview from Old Testament and New Testament. But let me get back to uh, what we talked about with stories. Okay, now, you guys know when you start becoming friends and acquainted with people, um, stories inevitably come up, right? It's pretty rare to, um, to get together and start forming a bond with each other and not telling stories. Um, that's kind of one of the challenges. Like Lisa and I moved here. And one of the things that we were just talking about, like, is it's a little bit difficult to, like, jump in because we feel like all of a sudden we're starting fresh and nobody knows anything about our story. Mm -hmm. That could be good, um, but it's also a little scary, right? Like, there's so much that the Lord has done through, you know, our uh, 11 years of marriage, right? Or 10? 11? 11. 11 years of marriage. <laughs> um, so much He's done through our family. And yet it's hard when people don't know about um, just the backdrop of our life. Now, uh, the reason why I asked you guys to share something that's a story, not only because it's a good way to know each other, and I would encourage you, tell people about the story that God has done in your life already when you have them over. You know, don't, don't allow your time together just to be casual. But um, the reason specifically is because I have been helped a whole lot um, and I hope that you guys will, too, by looking at the storyline of the Bible. Now, there happens to be another class that uh, we all didn't sign up for, but it would be a great class, um, and there's going to be some recordings. And um, I, I was really excited to hear about that because that's been something um, that I've enjoyed studying. Um, but there's a storyline of hospitality in the Bible as well. So not only these implicit commands to, um, to do these different things, um, but there's also just this overarching idea. So just really quickly, I think that you have like seven spots. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time um, for this. I think we're doing okay on time, though. Um, let's start with this, the, the very first, the beginning of our story. How does the story of God's people start? Right? There's a, a patriarch who is called out of a foreign nation, right? And he was serving um, gods that were numerous and many. 
And do you guys know what his name is? Abraham. Abraham. So Joshua 24, verse 2 um, says, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. So the story of the people of God, it starts with this idea of God taking a foreigner and bringing him to be basically the father, the one who would um, have all the promises um, that God was going to deliver. And um, I, yeah, I think that's, that's awesome. So at the very beginning, uh, Abraham. Okay, number two. Um, the Israelites who, when they were delivered from Egypt, brought along with them a mixed multitude. Now, you guys have probably heard this um, just, I think, a month and a half ago. Anson mentioned this in one of his uh, sermons. Exodus 12, 38 reminds us, a mixed multitude also went up with them and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. So we see God's heart, right? He loves his people, and there's a clear way that he pours out his love in particular to this group of people. But those group of people who are given the promises are a demonstration um, to the nations of the power and of the love and the compassion of God. And God was very we'll see this all throughout scripture, very, very eager to bring along with him those who were God-fearing and those who would submit themselves um, to his righteous rule. So I I think of all these Egyptians going out and being um, let out. I don't know how many there were, the Bible doesn't say, but along with the people of God. And just just, uh, picturing that in my mind that you know, Pharaoh and his hosts are being drowned in the Red Sea, and yet those who saw the signs and responded in faith towards the Lord were rescued as well. So again, this is just to remind us that God's heart is for the foreigner. Okay, the next one, uh, Rahab the prostitute. Okay, Rahab the harlot or the prostitute. Um, You guys know that story about... um, the spies being sent into the land, they go into the land of Jericho, and Rahab happens to be someone who's there. She's heard of the Lord, and what she does is she protects these people. Okay, the next one happens to be um, a descendant of, of Rahab. If you guys are familiar with the book of Ruth, um, Ruth is a lady who is a Moabite, and um, she ends up marrying, let's go through the whole story, but um, Boaz. Right? Boaz is this kinsman redeemer, this instrument of God's grace and protection to her. And just, I mean, it seems ironic, but it's not ironic. The amazing thing is that Boaz, uh, Boaz's mom, does anyone know who that is? Is Rahab. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a, a neat picture of like the Lord doing that? So um, this lady happens to meet this kinsman redeemer um, who is of a family who has seen um, his own mom being a part of, you know, a different nation come to trust in Yahweh. So um, that's just a a super cool picture to me. Uh, Okay, a couple more. Um, Now let's, we're going to move a little bit outside of the Old Testament. Jesus pursuing the outsiders of Samaria. So we're all familiar with the story of um, the Samaritan um, at the well. um, What do we call her? The woman at the well. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, the woman at the well. Okay, now listen to this from John chapter 4. So, I mean, this, this story is great, um, but especially after the encounter with this lady at the well, listen to what the result of this encounter was with Jesus. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. This is after this lady has gone to tell her people about Jesus. And many more believe because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. So we see Jesus' heart um, is very intentional. It's not an accident. They, he happens to meet this lady at the middle of the day when most ladies don't go um, out in public, but, but he does and she does, and they meet together. And there's a purposeful um, intent for Jesus to make um, his ways known as, as the Savior of the world to the people of, of Samaria. Um, okay, Acts chapter 13. All Gentiles are being invited to receive the good news. Uh, Paul and Barnabas spoke out, out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside. He was talking to uh, the Jewish people. And judge yourselves uh, worthy of eternal life. But behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, the very last one, Revelation chapter 5. Okay, this is the idea. Um, well, this is the picture when uh, the scrolls are being presented. Okay, and listen to the people that are surrounding, um, surrounding the throne here. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you are slain, and by your blood you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. I think of often, just like all these different people playing a different note, if you're musical, and how those notes come together in just a beautiful harmony I think that's a, a good picture of Jesus being surrounded with the nations, worshiping him um, at the end. So we have from the very beginning to the very end this idea that God is pursuing the foreigner. He's pursuing those um, who are on the outside. So um, again, this is a little bit of just an overview for us to see, is this really biblical? Is this idea biblical? Are we called to it because, um, you know, it's, it's a new strategy for, you know, reaching new people. No, it's, this is part of the heart of God is to take um, the grace that has been given to us and to purposefully engage those who God has already put in your neighborhood or on your softball team or at your work or wherever you are. Um, so um, we're going to break out here just for a couple more minutes. We have maybe about 15 minutes to do this, and then we'll come back, uh, pray together, maybe recap real quick. But what I want to do um, is I want to, if you look at your notes here, just to think, uh, we're actually going to take a look at the Good Samaritan. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the people of Samaria, but let's look at Luke um, chapter 10. Actually, I think the story is longer than that. I don't know why I just put 25 through 27. 
Um, I'll walk around if you can't find it, but it's in Luke chapter 10. I want you to read through the story of the Good Samaritan and just answer a couple of these questions, okay, as a group. Um, and then we'll come back in a little bit. Sound good? All right. So, yeah, I'm sorry. So we have a couple classes available to us. There's uh, this one. There's one right here and one over there. Um, so we have like 15-ish people. Uh, we can either break into two or, yeah, let's, let's try to do three groups. Why don't we do that? So someone can stay here, uh, a couple people. How about the back two rows? Can you guys go to a group back here? And you know what? Never mind. We'll just do two groups, and then you two uh, groups can stay here. Okay, and talk through this. Sound good? All right. Thanks, guys. Well, guys, we are uh, not not super tight, but I did um, get some specific instructions to end before 8 because um, if you do not get your kids, then they will be going somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Playing British Bulldog in the parking lot. Oh, uh, no, our license is expired, so <laughs> it would be illegal, probably. If you guys arrested, we'll take them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, so we're not going to take time to uh, review everything that you guys talked about today. We will typically do that um, after you guys have had time. We'll come. But I do just want to ask, um, any, any reflections on tonight or uh, things that the Lord has brought to mind um, as a group or um, anything specific, opportunities that are there that we can be praying for for you as you um, seek to live uh, faithfully in light of some of the things we've talked about. I appreciate the um, drawing it back to the uh, that parable in Luke that we saw is kind of our, mm. our status apart from Christ as we're yeah. left dead, beaten and bare. Yeah. And out of the pure grace of his heart and love and mercy mm. pursued us. Yeah. captures us and redeems us. So our calling to do that for others. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. That's a great, mm-hmm. great example. Cool. Thanks, Ryan. You all have people on your hearts already um, that the Lord has put on recently um, to pursue with hospitality. Y'all can be praying for someone in our neighborhood that we just, um, the Lord kind of providentially moved into our neighborhood uh, about a month ago, and we have made some contact, and the kids have played together quite a few times. We just found out that um, he has cancer, and his name is um, Vince, and it uh, has returned. And so we're praying, and we'll probably ask you all for just ideas as we try to brainstorm what, what does it look like to care for somebody we trust that, you know, the Lord providentially has brought them into our lives and Lisa and her have a good connection but if you think about that you could pray for Vince um, so yeah alright well we're uh, so glad you guys joined us uh, thanks for being um, willing to come and join us and uh, for being good listeners and I was telling Lisa I appreciate I appreciate all your body language when I'm up here speaking because it's not my most comfortable thing to be talking in front of a group of people but um, you all showed me that you're tracking with me. And um, so that's my reminder to do that sometimes to our pastors because they have a lot of people who probably just look bored up at them. But <laughs> you all did a good job. So uh, anyway, let's pray. Um, anyone like to close us tonight as we um, ask the Lord to bring truth to bear um, and fruit in our lives? All right, thanks. Father, we... Uh Lord, we thank you for uh, 
stories, not just the stories of our lives uh, that we get to share, but Lord, the story that you are working through each of us, Lord, and even just the reminder of uh, Marnie's story, Father, that you are uh, an eager Father who's opened a door to his home to us and welcomed us in. Um, Lord, you've, uh, you've brought us in and called us your sons and daughters and we didn't deserve it. And you've bestowed the wealth of your kingdom upon us uh, that we might steward it uh, and carry it to those that we would encounter, uh, Lord. So would you just help us to be faithful in that? Um, it's not easy. It's not a clean-cut, comfortable thing to do. It doesn't always mesh well with our wiring and personalities. But, Lord, it is uh, not just something you've called us to, but it's something that has a gift for us within it. And so I pray as we, uh, as we wrestle through this um, difficult reality uh, in, in depth in relationship and depth in uh, engaging folks who are uncomfortable to engage in a culture that is uh, widely disengaged from relationship, would we, uh, would we be different because of this? Would, um, would the folks that we encounter be changed because of it, Lord? Uh, and most of all, would you be glorified? made much of through uh, not just this uh, this opportunity for discussion we have, but through all that will come to bear because of that. Uh, Lord, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.